Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Reality in Christ, Worship and Word here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Reverend Thomas Dwayne Smith. You know me any other time as the visible conservative here on Blog Talk Radio, True Radio Network. So we have a phenomenal show today. And we're going to be blessed by a powerful young woman of God. We're going to... We're going to just be blessed by the Spirit of the Lord sending forth this message that's going to be spoken today. So just sit back, relax, and prepare to be blessed, prepare to be healed, prepare to be set free here on Reality in Christ, Worship in Word, on True Radio, here on Radio Network.
And welcome back to Reality in Christ, Worship and Word, here on Blog Talk Radio, True Radio Network. And you know, a message wouldn't be a message without first ushering in the spirit of the Lord through worship and music. So, my first song that I'm going to play is one of my favorite songs but it has deep sentimental value to me. It's C.C. Winant, an alabaster box. And then we're going to, I'm going to pray right after this song to play a couple more songs and just we're going to get right into the word because I'm telling you, I was blessed to meet this young lady and her husband at the uh, Policy Summit in Washington, D.C. back in September, and she was on fire for God then, and she still is. So you're going to be in for a treat. Pastor, 
Okay, sorry about that. My screen blinked out on me, but, you know, the devil is a lie. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, we are thankful for an opportunity to usher in your spirit, Lord God, usher in your presence. Father, I'm thankful and honored to be able to have the minister of the gospel that I have today, Lord God. So, Father, I pray that you bless her family, and I pray that you would just bless the rest of our worship time, Lord God, as we we bless you with a couple more songs. We say we love you, and we pray also, Lord God, that your spirit, will touch the lives of those who are listening to this message today, whether it be in the archive or live 
or whenever they download it. We pray that the message that goes forth will be powerful and it will be sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will be able what you want it to accomplish. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Next song that I'm going to play is bow down and worship him. And then after that, our last worship song in the call on Jesus. And I'm going I'm to read a scripture, one of my favorite scripture, to just kind of set the tone. And uh, then we'll get right into the word. down in worship him worship him oh worship him bow down and worship
and welcome back to Worship in Word here on Reality in Christ. Worship in Word here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to read my scripture and hopefully set the mood for the message to come. Matthew 11. 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, thank you for another opportunity to deliver your word, Father. God, thank you in the name of Jesus for this vessel of the Lord who's about to bring forth the message today. Father, I pray that you continue to bless and anoint her work of her husband as they are unified in one purpose in Christ Jesus. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And folks, I had the opportunity to meet this young lady and her husband at the uh, Urban Cure Policy Summit back in September in Washington, D.C. Her husband, Robert, took some phenomenal pictures there at that event, which still blesses me. I still need to get my, I still need to purchase my pictures from him. But let me tell you something. Talking to those two, it was a blessing. And I'm a just I'm just going to share a little bit about what this young lady does, and and you will see. She is she is a native of Miami, Florida, who rededicated her life to the Lord in February of 1996. She began ministry in '96, accepted her call to prophetic evangelism and was thrust supernaturally into open-air preaching on the campus of Florida State University while a student there. In May of 1998, Chante delivered her first official sermon at the age of 20 and was officially recognized as a minister in the International Church of God in Christ. In 2004, Chante was ordained as an evangelist missionary by the International Church of God in Christ under the leadership of Superintendent Gerald Mandro and co-pastor Judy Mandro at Life Changers Church of God in Christ. 
Dante has functioned in various ministries, leadership positions, including visual arts, dance, praise and worship, evangelism, and intercession. She also was the director of Christian education, overseeing children and adults. She has served faithfully at Life Changers for 12 years until her move to Virginia in 2011. Pastor Shante operates in the office of prophet, teacher, and pastor. She also has a gift of administration and has authored several books entitled Church Love. Shante is the co-founder of Life, Life Nation, a kingdom community, serves as executive teaching pastor, and inspires clients through her own marketing, publishing, and consulting company, and empowers students through academic teaching and tutoring. He has a heart to see the glory of God released through the arts prophetically and to see the next generation redeemed to the glory of God. Folks, let me tell you something. The one thing she didn't put in her bio, which you're going to find out tonight, is that this young woman keeps it real. So please join me in welcoming Pastor Jante A. Charles to Reality in Christ Worship in Word. Pastor Charles, you're there. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. How are you today? I am doing good, and uh, I thank God for this opportunity. Um, Minister uh, Thomas, I just really appreciate it, and uh, I'm looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. Um, I've been looking forward to it all day, and uh, just excited about the Word of God on tonight. Amen. So I'm just going to step out of the way and let you have the floor. I'm put myself on mute, and the floor is yours. That's how we do it here. Amen. Well. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord. I thank you for the the worship, God, that has set the tone, Father. I thank you, Lord, uh, for this program, Reality in Christ, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that everyone that would be under the sound of my voice tonight, Lord God, that I thank you, Lord God, for even uh, putting that unction in my spirit, Father, even now, Lord God, to begin to pray, Father God, for the minds and the hearts, God, to be uh, receptive, Lord, to the word that is coming tonight, Father. So I thank you, Lord God, that those that are listening in tonight, Father, that they would have a mind to receive, Lord God, that they would have ears to hear, Father. God, that they would have a heart to receive, Lord God, that you would remove, Lord God, every blinder, Father God, every way that the enemy has sought, Lord, to blind the hearts, to blind the eyes, Lord God, so that they should not see into your goodness, into your grace, Father, so that they should not, oh God, see into the glory of the gospel of Christ. Father, I thank you right now for releasing every chain from the mind in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for everything that has sought to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ, Father, even before this word goes out, Lord God. We cast it down by the Spirit of the Lord, Father, and we thank you, Lord God, that they will be open to receive your mind tonight, Lord, that they'll be open to receive your word of truth, Lord, and the Spirit, oh God, that sets men free, Lord. Father, I ask that you uh, be within, oh God, be within this service, Lord God, be within this teaching, O oh God, that the word of Christ would dwell within us and with us tonight richly, Father God. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, Lord, for you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Hallelujah. Tonight I just want to um, talk to you and uh, minister the word that the Lord has given me, and he's actually uh, kind of built on this word for me for a couple of weeks now. And we're going to be talking about principles to help you live free. Um, A lot of people, you know, talk about freedom, and freedom can have all kinds of uh, definitions and ramifications. But we're going to be talking about living free, particularly in Christ, and living free from the bondages that sin can bring into your life. And, of course, I'm specifically talking to um, the believer tonight, but I do believe that there will be some that will call in on the line tonight who may not know Christ. Um, and so we're praying that the word of God tonight will begin to penetrate their heart and that they will find Christ even in the practicality of the word that's going to be delivered on tonight. So I'm going to be talking to you about principles to help you live free. And for those that are listening, I will um, repeat the scriptures um, a couple of times so that if you're jotting notes, you can go ahead and write those scriptures down. I'll also uh, tell you at the end of the broadcast where you can find a um, upload of my teaching. Um, I do like to leave uh, written, written documentation, written curriculum, so there will be an opportunity for you to um, download it at your leisure. I'm going to use the acronym Live Free as we uh, go through tonight's message. And so the first thing I want to talk to you about is L in the live, and that is love as if your life depends on it, because it does. Love as if your life depends on it, because it does. A lot of people do not realize uh, how much love is tied to their quality of life. Mark chapter 12, verse 31 says this, and this is Jesus speaking, and the second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, There is none other commandment greater than these. Well, what's the first commandment that he's talking about? If you back up, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is like this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Where does the wars come from? We break in this commandment. Uh, Where does abortion come from? The breaking of this commandment. Where does murder come from? The breaking of this commandment. It says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So there is nothing greater than you loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God with everything within you. The quality of our life is firmly fixed and reflected in the quality of of our love. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this. This is Jesus speaking again. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, does Jesus just give us these two places? No. He goes on again, Luke 
chapter 6, verse 35. And this is very powerful because people like to get to Luke 6, 38, which is one of my favorite verses. It talks about give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, uh, shaken together, running over shall men give unto your bosom. But they have to back up to verse 35 because we know that scripture is line upon line and precept upon precept. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 says, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. And so you see in this scripture two things begin to happen. One, great reward is released when we love. And two, your relationship as a son of God is verified. Not as the son of God, but as a son of God is verified. And a lot of times we love and we look for the reward, but God says you shall be the children of the highest, which to me your your relationship is the greatest reward that you can receive from God. So loving as if your life depends on it because it does, Notice in that scripture that God is kind to the wicked and the ungrateful. We don't want to be kind to them. We really don't. Our flesh says if someone does you wrong, you get them back. If someone uh, bothers your family member, you go after their family. If someone takes something from you, it's, it's human nature to want to retaliate. But how do we get, how do we live free? By operating in what Christ has told us to do, not in what our flesh wants to do. So how do we do that? The scripture says here, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. So some of our reward is locked up in how we love our enemies. Some of the blessings that we maybe feel like has been held up in our lives could be, could be because we refuse to love our enemies. It's one thing, the scripture also says in Matthew 5, it's one thing to love those who love you back and who love you in return, as Jesus said, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, are you doing anything out of the norm? to love those who already love you, uh, to love those who already are in your inner circle. No, you're not doing anything out of the ordinary. Out of the ordinary calls you to love your enemies. The other thing we see here in the scripture is that you become closer to the nature of God when you love your enemies. How do I get closer to the character of Christ? The scripture tells us right here, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. What and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be called the children of the highest. So I've got to love my haters. I know that goes against everything you've probably been taught maybe, but this is what scripture says. So when we pray, and let me clarify, we're, when we're talking about haters, we're not talking about abuse, okay? I love my haters. So when you pray, draw me nearer, Lord. Draw me closer to you. Give me an understanding of your love for me 
that prayer begins to translate into send me people to love on. Send me people who may not look like me. Send me to those who may uh, not agree with me. Send me to those who may dislike me. That's what happens when we begin to pray those kind of prayers. So we're choosing to love rather than to lash out as we could in our own human nature. All right? Romans 12 and 9 is another a verse that lets us know that love must be sincere. We must hate, the scripture says in Romans 12 and 9, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Notice it says what is evil, not who is evil. So we must hate what is evil and cling to what is good. John 15 and 13 tells us that there is no greater love displayed than to lay down our life for a friend. There's no greater love displayed than to lay down our life for a friend. And I always uh, talk to people about Jesus' relationship with Judas because a lot of times we have this notion that, well, if someone is in my life and, you know, they're getting on my nerves, they're wearing on my patience, then I'm just going to kick them to the curb. Jesus did not kick Judas to the curb. If anybody in the history of the world had a reason to kick someone to the curb, it would have been Jesus, okay? What does Jesus do? Jesus knows Judas' purpose. Jesus, Jesus knows Judas' intent, and yet he calls Judas a friend till the end. And that was one thing that the Holy Spirit challenged me with even in studying this lesson. Can you love like that? Can you love people who you know their intent to do you wrong? Can you love them till the end? Can you love them until God removes them out of your path? Colossians 3 and 14, I want to read that in your hearing. It says, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And I'm going to go back one verse here. This is talking about your sisters and brothers in Christ. It says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then verse 14 talks about putting on the love, the charity, that is the bond of perfectness. In other words, it lets us know that love binds all other virtues into unity. So we have to put on love. Uh, a lot of times people use, use the expression or the phrase, I, I, I met this person or I encountered this person and they rubbed me the wrong way. My first question is, did you put on Christ? My second question is, did you put on love? Because if they rubbed you the wrong way, what they should have experienced from you should have been love. Not the other things that want to come out of us. So we're talking about living free principles to help us live free. The first one is, Love as if your life depends on it, because it does. I'll give you a uh, perfect example. 
uh, something that happened to me. This was probably about a year ago, year or two ago. There was a young lady that I knew, and she disliked me. She didn't know why. She even confronted me and said, hey, you know, I don't like you. I don't know. I don't even know why I don't like you. I don't know any enough information about you to dislike you, but I just don't like you. So what do you do with that? Do you get upset? Do you walk away? Do you say, well, hey, you don't like me? Then let me just return the favor. I'm not going to like you either. No. My responsibility was to love her regardless of how she felt about me. That was my responsibility. So I took my responsibility very seriously because I said, Lord, if she doesn't understand why she does not like me, then it's definitely the enemy somewhere in there that's bringing confusion, division, strife, and all other evil. So I began to purposefully, purposefully, intentionally love her. What does that mean? I began to make sure that I did not avoid her. I began to interact more with her. I began to talk with her. I began to engage her in conversation. I even at times, you know, dropped her a word of encouragement through a letter, through a card, until one time I was in a worship service and I was worshiping the Lord and and he told me to go stand in a particular place and just lift up my hands to him and just worship him. And as I was doing that, probably for about 20, 25 minutes, this same young lady came over to me and just literally wrapped her arms around me and began to hug me. And as she began to hug me, she began to cry. And as she began to cry, she began to say, please forgive me. Well, after that encounter, nothing, um, as, as people would say, nothing particularly supernatural happened in that encounter. But the supernatural part was my intentional love broke something in her that she didn't know why it had attached itself to her. So a lot of times we are looking for the flash, we're looking for, you know, the lightning bolt and the thunder and the, and the voice of God booming at us, telling us to do something. He's already told us. He's told us in his word several times to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. A lot of times the way we love our entire heart, mind, soul, and strength is not in it. So we have to begin to challenge ourselves and say, Lord, I don't want to just half-heartedly love people. I don't want to just show love to the point where I'm simply getting by. I'm meeting the status quo of how to treat people, uh, what, what we would term civilly. I want to love people, and I want to love God with all that is within me. I don't want to half-step. I don't want to sidestep. You know, I want to be able to meet confrontation head on. Now, of course, let me put this disclaimer here. We are not talking about people whose intent is to do you violent harm. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about your brother and your sister in Christ, those who you may not have a good relationship with, that God is challenging you to step up 
and actively love. Another thing I, I, I tell people all the time, love is a weapon, and you have to be locked and loaded every day. Love is a weapon, and you have to be locked and loaded every day. That means every day you go out into the world, go out with the intention to love. Go out with the intention to be kind, to be patient, to be long-suffering. Have that in your heart and in your mind when you go out into the world. The second principle here, invite the Holy Spirit to actively guide you. Invite the Holy Spirit to actively guide you. Well, what does guide mean? To guide is to show the way. Oftentimes we find ourselves clueless as to how to go about this life, and the Holy Spirit wants to show us the way. He doesn't just want to show us Bible verses. He wants to show us how does that Bible verse apply in my life. Um, Oftentimes we kind of pick and choose or we compartmentalize what areas that we're going to give over into the guidance of the Holy Spirit, especially when it comes to um, our finances. It could be our job. Different areas most people are comfortable with giving the Holy Spirit access to. But I'll tell you one that most people are not comfortable with giving the Holy Spirit access to, and that is their love life, okay? That is their relationship life. But I challenge you even on tonight to give that to the Holy Spirit. If you are a person that is listening and you are married and you're, you're dealing with issues in your marriage or you are single and you're waiting on God, to bring that that special person to you, let the Holy Spirit actively guide your life. Amen? Let me read this uh, verse to you. We're going to go to John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. And it reads, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him, Jesus is speaking here, The Father will send him in my name, and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, there are a couple of different principles in this one particular verse. Number one, the Holy Spirit cannot remind us of what Jesus has said if we have not opened our Bibles to read what Jesus has said. Jesus speaks all throughout the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is speaking. Jesus is having conversations. Jesus is talking about marriage. He's talking about divorce. He's talking about uh, eunuchs. He's talking about uh, the attitude that you ought to be, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. So Jesus is giving us guidelines for life. And he says, I must go away because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, will not come in my stead. And when he comes, he's going to counsel you. He's going to come in my name. He's going to teach you all things, and he's going to remind you of everything that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit's job is to counsel you, is to guide you, is to teach you, It's also to show you the things that are to come 
and he is going to teach you about Jesus. He's going to teach you about the character of Jesus and the nature of Jesus. So we want to be in a relationship with God that is pleasing to the Father and glorifies the Son, then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. And so the Father has sent the Helper in Jesus' name to teach us all things and bring us into remembrance of what Jesus has said. We must repent of our sins to receive God's Spirit, and we must ask for this precious gift that is greater than a personal calendar or a life coach. My personal calendar is the Holy Spirit. He reminds me of what the Lord has said and what I am to be doing. So before I get a planner, I need the Holy Spirit to plan. I need the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction for my life. Lord, should I take this job? Should I go on this trip? Should I accept this dinner date? The Holy Spirit will guide you, and he is first a counselor of peace. He's going to bring peace in your decision-making. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. He is a perfect gentleman. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as our helper or our paraclete who's going to walk beside us. So he's going to warn us. He's going to tell us. He's going to... Give us that assurance of peace that, yes, this is the way that God wants us to go. And he's also going to be that spirit that warns us that this is the way we should not go. But we have the choice. We have the free will to listen to the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God comes with some fruit to help us to live free. Let's take a look at what that fruit that comes from the Spirit of God is. And that is, uh, let's go to Galatians 5, chapter 22. Galatians 5, chapter 22. And it reads, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit that comes out of the Spirit of God. So when you're talking about being able to live free, before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I could operate in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control some of the time. But when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I received power to operate in the fruit of the Spirit on a consistent basis. I receive power to be a witness. Spirit of God can help you live free on a consistent basis because the fruit of the Spirit is within us as Christians, as believers. But when we're talking about living, walking out, producing the fruit of the Spirit on a consistent basis, we need the Spirit of God active and activated in our life. Okay, Romans 8 and 26 also lets us know that the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. Well, what are our weaknesses, okay? For some of us, our weakness may be school. For some, it may be uh, domestic affairs, caring for different things in our life. 
for some of us, we are weaknesses, people skills. We don't know how to get along with people. We don't know how to talk to people. We don't have good social skills or social interactions. The Holy Spirit will help you with everything, not just repeating and reciting scriptures, but living life holistically to the fullest. I'll give you an example from my own life. I like to use my life because it's full of examples. I have a serious problem with school. Um, I was not very good in math. And I struggled throughout probably my most of my high school years. I failed my first math course as a freshman college student, and I was devastated, okay? I got a D in it, and I knew that I needed this math course in order to pass and in order to move forward in my degree program. So I prayed, and I said, God, I have never really been good at math. I need you to help me. If you can show me, if you can reveal to me um, how math is applicable, because I didn't see the application. I was like, I don't need this. (laughs) If you can show me how this math is applicable, my life, to Scripture, I believe that I can do it. So the Holy Spirit said, well, what is five loaves of bread and two fish, and 5,000 people plus all the other people that were not mentioned besides women and children. I said, well, I don't know what that is. He said, that's a math problem. That's a God kind of math problem. And if God can give the answer to that, if Jesus can come in the midst of that problem, multiply bread, distribute it, and still have 12 loaves, 12 baskets left over, then you can do this now. Because the problems before you on this test and in this class are not even as complicated as that. And to this day, nobody still knows how Jesus did that. So once the Holy Spirit shared that with me, literally it was like a light bulb came on in my mind. And it was like my mind became illuminated to the possibility that I can do math, and now I tutor math. And now I've been able to see the results of believing the word of God, taking God at his word. From that point, I was able to pass my math courses. I taught math for about five years, every level from pre-K all the way up to Algebra two. That was only because... I went to God with that problem, and I said, God, I need you to illuminate this. I need you to open this up for me. And the scripture that he gave during that time was Psalm 119, verse 97 through 100, and I call that a key to genius that's right there in the scriptures that God began to unlock his wisdom to let me know that if you get in my word, if you seek me, if you meditate upon my word, I will begin to open up your understanding in other matters of life. So I just want to encourage you in that, that the Holy Spirit, when it says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, it's not just talking about moral weakness there. It's talking about all kinds of weaknesses in your life. 
John 16, verses 12 through 15, I want to read this in your hearing, where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and I will declare it to you. Do you realize that Jesus still has many things that he needs to tell the body of Christ? But he shares those things with us through the Holy Spirit or the spirit of truth. So if I have the Holy Spirit operating in my life and I'm letting the Holy Spirit guide me, then I have the voice of Christ in my decision-making and affairs. I don't have to be um, without wisdom in the affairs of life. The prophetic mind of God is in operation in the life of the spirit-filled believer, and he will show you what is to come. God wants to show us his revealed truth because we are all spiritual beings. I know a lot of people do not believe that. They believe that they're only soul and body. But whether you are a believer or not tonight, understand that you are a spiritual being. And when we are not saved, we begin to allow our natural man to lead us around without regard to our spiritual man's need of salvation. So you have a lot of people who are not awakened to the Spirit of God, who have not received Christ as their personal Savior as of yet, who are being led by their natural man. And the scriptures tell us that the natural man cannot comprehend the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. We don't want to be believers who are still allowing our natural man to lead us around. We want to be believers who are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. And I believe as, um, as Minister Thomas said earlier tonight when he opened up, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God wants to allow us to live in freedom by the Spirit of the Lord. There is much turmoil and shaking going on in the world, but we don't need to walk in fear. How do we not walk in fear? Remember, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. So here we, here we are. The Lord does not give us what? The spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Even in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4, you see where the Holy Spirit begins to fill the disciples with boldness to stand and declare the word of the Lord. How are we going to stand in the evil day? We're going to stand by the Spirit of God and that Spirit of God filling us with boldness to declare the word of the Lord. The third principle I want to share with you tonight, to live free, you have to value your salvation. To live free, you have to value your salvation. And I'm going to read a couple of passages to you. This is uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Philippians chapter 2, 
verses 12-13, and also 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10-12. through 12. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10-12. through 12. Let's start with Philippians. And it reads, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for his good purpose. First Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. For the prophets who gave the news of the grace which would come to you made search with all care for knowledge of this salvation. They were attempting to see what sort of time the spirit of Christ which was in them was pointing to when it gave witness to the pains which Christ would undergo and the glories which would come after them. It was made clear to those prophets that they were God's servants, not for themselves, but for you, to give you word of the things which have now come to your ears from the preachers of the good news through the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, things even angels desire to look into. So I want to tell you tonight that the longer a person is saved, there is a temptation to take salvation for granted and forget the tragedy of being lost. I don't want to forget how lost and depraved I was. Why do I not want to forget uh, as someone who has an evangelistic call upon my life I need to remember that I didn't I once did not know Christ. I once was in gross darkness, not just darkness, but gross darkness. I once was the person who would go to church, leave church, and then go do my ungodliness while praying, God please forgive me while I'm doing my ungodliness. I don't want to forget the fact that even in my sin, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. I don't want to forget the fact that just like the lady caught in adultery, Jesus got down in the dirt as she was thrown in front of him in the middle of his Bible study by her accusers to be stoned. Jesus got down on the ground in the dirt with her and did not condemn her. I don't want to forget the tragedy of being lost because to forget the tragedy of being lost means that I'm now going to be comfortable in letting other people go to hell around me. And I don't ever want to be comfortable with people going to hell around me every single day. And I don't present the gospel truth or the love of Christ to them. So I encourage you to live free by rehearsing your testimony, rehearsing your testimony. I've got testimony upon testimony upon testimony. Um, one of one of the things I thank God for uh, is healing my body from diabetes. I may have I made a vow to the Lord and I said, Lord, if I'm going to serve you, and I had been a dealing with diabetes, they diagnosed me when I was 11. Um, 
and went through treatments, went through injections, went through near comas, um, and I made a, a vow to the Lord that when I got saved, I said, Lord, if I'm going to preach the gospel, I'm asking that you heal me from diabetes. That was what I asked God for. The Lord said, done. I want you to go down. I was 17 at the time, still in college, just in college. He said, I want you to go down to the uh, college clinic and the, the college health center, and he said, I want you to go get tested for diabetes. I went to the college center that, that same day. They sat me down. I told them I was diabetic and I needed to have some tests done on my blood sugar. They sat me down. They did the blood work. The doctor came back and said, there's no way in the world you could have been diabetic all your life. Now, anybody who knows me from childhood knows I was clearly diabetic. But the power of God healed me and delivered me from diabetes. That's a testimony for someone tonight who is thinking, I am dealing with a chronic illness, and it's not possible for God to heal it. Yes, it is. God is a healer. The time frame or the timetable by which God desires, desires to heal you or whether God will use your infirmity for his glory anyway and use you just as you are, that's up to God. But I'm giving you my testimony that God is a healer, just one testimony. So we want to, I want to encourage you tonight by living free and rehearsing your testimony. Another testimony of God's grace. I decided at one point God called me. He said, okay, I want you to dance for me. I want you to dance prophetically. I had done other dancing, worldly dancing, had an intention to go into the world to dance. When I got saved, God said, no, you're not going to do any of that. I want you to dance for me now. I said, I'm not dancing for you, God. I'm just not going to do it. So I woke up the next day from making that declaration, and I woke up, and I was paralyzed from the waist down. Paralyzed from the waist down. Wound up in the hospital. Doctors did some tests. They asked me if I played any sports. I said, no, I didn't, I didn't play any sports at the time. And they said, well, you have a football player's injury. And they gave me the name of it, osteochondritis desiccans, football player's injury. Well, I said, what in the world is going on? I went to bed last night just fine. I woke up the next morning paralyzed from the waist down. The Lord spoke to me and said, I, I called you to dance before me. So what did I have to wind up doing? I had to repent. Okay, Lord, you called me to do this. It's not supposed to be my calling. It's your calling. It's your stewarding. It's your gift. So I began to ask the Lord to forgive me. He said, I'm going to heal your body. He put me in the in the company of a doctor and a staff of nurses who also believed the Lord. They prayed with me that God would heal me. I did some rehabilitation for two weeks. I was able to regain feeling in both of my legs. I came back 
did an x-ray again after they had x-rayed me the first time and saw that the bones in both of my knees were broken. They did the x-ray again. The x-ray came back perfect. It looked as if none of my bones had been broken. Can God heal you? Yes. Does God want us to be obedient to his word? Yes. Does God want us to value our salvation? Yes. Does God want us to take the testimony of what he has done for us lightly? No. The longer a person is saved, there's a temptation to take salvation for granted and to forget the tragedy of being lost. So rehearse your testimony. Rehearse those God encounters. Write down how God has touched your life. Write down how God has redeemed you. Write down how God has forgiven you for the times that you disobeyed him and jacked up. Write it down. Somebody is going to need that testimony in the future. We can forfeit our salvation if we turn from God's plan of redemption, and we can lose our rewards in Christ by walking contrary to his reward, to his word. Our value then becomes based on the blood of Christ because our blood could not pay the price and our sin left us as filthy rags. So we must understand that our salvation is not based upon works. It's based upon grace and faith in Jesus Christ. James 2 and 10 says, if anybody keeps all the law, and in case you don't know how many there are in the Old Testament, there were 613 laws, Judaic laws that they had to keep. If you broke one of those, you were judged for having gone against the entire law. So if we try to keep the law, rather than accept Jesus' death in the place of ours, if we fail in one of those things, we begin to fail in all. But we don't have to fail when we are trusting in Christ as our righteousness, when we are trusting in Christ and his death as our atonement for our sins. So we can come to God boldly to the throne of grace where we can find mercy and help in our time of need. So, yes, we must cultivate a continual appreciation for our salvation We have been saved for God's own purpose, and his grace is given to us out of his love and mercy. His grace is not given to us out of how many things we can cross off on our to-do list. His grace is given out of love and mercy. The next principle for living free, living free, engage God through his word every day. Engage God through his word every day. Um, I often encourage people to um, bury your spiritual disciplines in the way that you carry out seeking out God. Well, what do I mean by that? You've got the spiritual disciplines of prayer. You have fasting, uh, worship, studying the word. Um, Oftentimes I like to sing my prayers or I like to sing the word of God. Um, trying out different things to give yourself to fasting before the Lord doesn't necessarily have to be 
Um, most churches have uh, corporate fasting, but it can be times that you set aside during the year that you're going to fast and go before the Lord. Um, worship outside, studying the word outside of your normal places, meditating on the word, writing scriptures that come to your mind first thing in the morning, on your lunch break, in the middle of the day. Um, if you are a person that always has a thought that come to your mind, bring a sticky pad with you, bring a little journal with you, and write those things down. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will speak to you throughout your day and will say, man, I'll go back and write that down, or, oh, that was a good thought, but we don't follow through and write those things down. Have something with you that will allow you to be ever mindful of what the Lord is saying to you. And I have found that if you prepare to receive from God, God will meet you in your preparation. If you prepare, and I'll say that again, if you prepare to receive from God, God will meet you in your preparation. If you're preparing to receive from God, God will meet you in your preparation. So if I'm, if I'm preparing every morning, 6 a.m., to hear from the Lord, God will begin to meet you in that time of preparation. You may not be a morning person, and this is another thing. Everybody is not a 5 a.m., 6 a.m. morning person prayer. Find your shift of prayer and, and pray. Some people like to pray at midnight. Some people like to pray 3 in the morning um, because that's when they're most alert. Find your place of prayer with the Lord and begin to pray. Take a journal pad in with you. Give God time to speak to your heart, and he will speak. When you are consistent in meeting him at those times and those places, you will find that the Lord is ready to respond to you. Another principle, and it seems very simple, but the amount of things that we give our hearts to will really determine how free we are going to live. This next principle, fix your heart, your mind, your ears, and your eyes on Jesus. Fix your heart, your mind, your ears, and your eyes on Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Fix your heart, your mind, your eyes, and your ears on Jesus. Most of the people who are trained in media production, in marketing, in uh, publishing and promoting and advertising, they understand the power of capturing your heart, your mind, your ears, and your eyes. Hebrews 12 and 2 says it this way, having our eyes fixed on Jesus, the guide and end of our faith, who went through the pains of the cross, not caring for the shame, because of the joy which was before him, and who has now taken his place at the right hand of God's seat of power. What does it start with? What do they open up with? Having our eyes fixed on Jesus. Why do we need our eyes fixed on Jesus? Because in this life and in this world, if you take your eyes off Jesus, there's a good possibility 
that you're going to be overcome by anxiety, fear, depression, oppression, and all of the other pressions that come with that. If we're depending on what we hear and what we see in this world, it's going to be very hard for us to fix our eyes on Jesus. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 80. Let my heart be sound in your word that I be not ashamed. So if I've, I've, the thing that I've got to do is I've got to keep my mind stayed on Christ. I've got to hide the word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I've got to guard my eye gate and my ear gate. And this is important for the body of Christ because in this world system, so many things vying for our attention vying for our eye gates and vying for our ear gates. So it is up to us. It is a part of our responsibility as believers to guard our eye gates, to guard our ear gates. If I'm always listening to that which produces death, that which produces uh, promiscuity, that which produces violence, I cannot help but produce those things in my life. Because what I get my ear to is what is going to get inside of my spirit, and I'm going to begin to act out of those things. Let's take a look at this verse. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, very familiar passage. Many people quote it in regards to vision. It says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon table, that he may run that readeth it. So I want to look at this from a different perspective tonight, because the truth of the matter is that in order to live free, we have got to fix our hearts on freedom. We've got to set our eyes on freedom, and we have to still ourselves. And as Habakkuk here says, I will stand upon my watch. Well, what is he referring to? We've got to set ourselves in a position of prayer, in a position of meditation before the Lord to see what the Lord will say to us. If my eyes and my heart and my ears are before CNN, MSNBC, and everyone else to hear what they have to say, where am I setting the time to see what the Lord will say to me? So I've got to ask God to open my inner ear, open my spiritual ear, open the eyes of my heart, that place of vision and dream, that I might be able to look into what God is saying, that I might be able to be as those 
who would be in the end times, as the scripture said, that the old men and the young men would begin to have visions and dreams. Because that is a part of the lifestyle of the end time believer. We need to be able to see what is coming. We need to be able to hear what God is saying so that we can move accordingly. Even in the life of Jesus, as our as our ultimate example, Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. Jesus saw and Jesus did and Jesus heard what the Father wanted, and then he repeated it in the earth. So that's the life that we want to live, is a life that hears what the Father is saying, a life that sees what the Father is saying, and then we repeat those things in the earth, and then we begin to see results. Another principle, resisting fleshly and carnal entanglement. Resisting fleshly and carnal entanglements. How do we do that? James 4 and 7 says that we resist the flesh and we resist carnality. What is carnality? Lust, envy, jealousy, whoredom, partying, railing. We resist through submission to God. Galatians 5 and 1 warns us to stand firm and to not be chained again to that which was sinful. If you were chained to alcohol, don't be chained to alcohol again. If you were chained to sexual promiscuity, sleeping with everybody, don't be chained to sleeping with everybody again. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The warning here being that you can be entangled again. So how do we live free from being entangled again with the things that God has delivered us from? We resist the enemy by submitting ourselves to God. And the truth is what keeps us free from entanglement. So we don't allow ourselves to be deceived in thinking, well, I know you had an alcohol problem, but it's okay to go and sit at the bar. No, it's not okay. If you want to keep yourself free from entanglement, you don't want to put yourself in the place to be chained again to the yoke of bondage because alcohol is spirit. That's what they call them, spirit, right? So that's an example. We stand firm and we don't want to be chained again to what is sinful. If we know that we had a problem with pornography before we got saved and God has delivered you, then you want to stay away from things that are what? Pornographic in nature. You want to stay away from movies, television shows that are pornographic in nature. And sadly, lots of them are. So you don't want to entangle yourself in things that God has delivered you from. The Bible says we submit ourselves to God, we resist the devil, and he will flee from us. But as long as we are in this life, please know he's always going to be trying to tempt you with something. Always. He may go away for a season, but he'll be back. So you must keep up your vigilance against 
the plans and the schemes of the enemy. Another principle, enjoy God and know that God enjoys you. Enjoy God and know that God enjoys you. I love this scripture, uh, Zephaniah 3 and 17. It says, your God is present among you, a strong warrior there to save you. Happy to have you back. He will calm you with his love and delight you with his song. One of the things I, I don't think that we talk about enough or we minister about enough is the fact that God enjoys you. God enjoys being with you. Um, Jesus, before he started ministry full time or whatever, however you would term that, but after he came out of the wilderness, we know that Jesus came out of the wilderness with power. But before that, before Jesus ever turned water into wine at the wedding of Cana, before Jesus healed the lepers, healed the blind, raised the dead, before Jesus ever did those things, spoke something over Jesus when he was being baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. He said, this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. In other words, God pronounced his pleasure on Jesus in Jesus' life before Jesus ever did anything to, quote, unquote, deserve his pleasure. And this is one thing that we need to understand in the body of Christ is that God enjoys you, his creation, as he made you before you ever do anything. He enjoys you. He delights in you. He takes pleasure in you because he created you for his pleasure, to do his good pleasure. Psalm 147, verse 11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in his worshipers and in those whose hope is in his mercy. 1 Corinthians 12:18 says, But now God has put every one of the parts in the body as it was what? Pleasing him. So enjoy God and know that God enjoys you. The truth of the matter that many leave out is that God was happy to create you, bless you, set you, and hear from you as his creation. As long as you are breathing, know that God will not give up on the pursuit of you. God will not give up on the pursuit of you. You may uh, feel like, God, I have messed up. One time, two times, 20 times. Listen, your family may give up on you. God will never give up on you. Your colleagues may give up on you. God will never give up on you. You may even be in a church that feels as though you don't really have much to offer because maybe you messed up. God will never give up on you. I don't know how many times I can say that. God will never give up on you. He is waiting to save you. He is waiting to have you back wherever you are, whether you are a believer who has just simply said, you know, I can't do church. I'm not going to do church anymore. 
or whether you are an person who doesn't believe in God at all, because God created you for his pleasure, he is still waiting for you to calm you with his love and to rejoice over you with singing. The last principle to living free that we're going to cover, express, explore, examine, and enlist. Express your joy. Explore your faith. Examine yourself and begin to enlist others. Philippians 4 and 4 says, Be glad in the Lord at all times. Again, I say, be glad. Another interpretation, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Romans 13, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So I've got to express my joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If God has done anything for you, there ought to be a praise and a worship and an expression in your life of what God has done for you. And don't allow anybody or anything to rob you of the joy that is in Christ Jesus. Explore your faith. How do we explore our faith? We explore our faith by getting in the word and understanding what Christ has given us through the word of God, understanding who Christ is, standing the benefits that God has given us in his word, taking the word for exactly what God has promised. There are many, many promises in the word of God that we don't appropriate to our lives. But we have to get in and we have to begin to appropriate the word of God into our life. How do we explore our faith? We have to take up the shield of faith. Ephesians 6 and 16 says that we take the shield of faith wherewith we shall what? Be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Are you going to get challenged in your faith? Yes. Are you going to get challenged in your joy? Yes. Are you going to come up against people and things that challenge your love? Yes. How are you going to fight it? By taking up the shield of faith. By believing in what Christ has said about you. By believing in what the word of God says for your situation in your life. Here's what we do with our faith. Here's what happens and what's added to our faith. Second Peter 5 through 7. Taking every care, taking every care to join virtue to faith and knowledge to virtue and self-control to knowledge and a quiet mind to self-control, and fear of God to a quiet mind, and here we are again, back right at the beginning, and love of the brethren to fear of God and to love of the brothers, love itself. Faith and freedom pave the way to the end goal, which is right where we began, which is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Everything 
when you talk about living free, when it all boils down to it, everything hinges on love. Forgiveness hinges on love, and your freedom hinges on love. The greatest of these three, as First Corinthians 13 says, the greatest of these three is what? Love. So I pray tonight, and as I close tonight, we just shared some principles with Living Free. We know that there's many more. As you get into the word for yourself and you begin to seek God for yourself, you will find that there are so many principles in the word of God to help you to live free, to live successful, to live a victorious life. And I count, I count a victorious life as not the quantity of things that you have, but the quality of your relationship with Christ Jesus. So, Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for those who have been listening in on the broadcast tonight and those who will uh, hear it in its different forms, Father. Lord, we're asking that you help us to take in these principles tonight, God, to living free, Father, free from fear, free from bondage, Lord God, free from the expectations of the outside world. Help us, O oh God, to love as you have loved us, to forgive as you have forgive, forgiven us. Father, I thank you that those who are under the sound of my voice, Lord, that they will have heard something tonight, Lord, that has encouraged them, that has empowered them, Father, that has caused them to put your word to the test, Lord that has caused them to seek you out, Father, because you love, Father, for us to prove you according to what your word says, God, not according to our thoughts and desires, but according to what your word says, God. You said whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You said, Father God, that if we believe you, as the scriptures have said, that out of our belly would begin to flow rivers of living water. Lord, you said if we... Believe, God, that we pray when we believe that we will have whatsoever we say, Father. And so we thank you tonight for your word, Lord God, challenging us to live free, God, challenging us, oh God, to love harder than we ever have before, God, challenging us, Father God, to resist the enemy's devices to drag us back under under the yoke of bondage, which is sin. Lord, I pray for those that are going to hear this recording and even those that are with us tonight, Lord, that you will strengthen them, strengthen their minds, strengthen their hearts, God, strengthen their bodies, Father, in the name of Jesus. And, Father God, I pray, Lord, if there is anyone on the line who does not know you, Father, that they would uh, receive you tonight. They would say to you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe what you did on the cross. I believe in your death. I believe in your atonement, your blood sacrificed for our sins. I believe that you died for me personally. And, Lord, I ask you to not only be Savior, but to be Lord over my life and my decision-making from this day forward in Jesus' name. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that those who will receive you, Lord, that they will contact us, Father God, that they will, Lord God, 
request, oh God, help, Father, even in finding a local church or a local assembly to connect you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are able to save to the uttermost, God, that you take delight and pleasure in your people seeking you and serving you, Lord. And I thank you, God, for all that you're going to do in the hearts and minds of those who will hear this teaching on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And as they say, a triple amen. Pastor Charles, that was a phenomenal message. And I'm, I'm just trying to wonder if you if you was, like, reading my mind yesterday because you, you actually replied to my um, post that I posted on Facebook about the fact that I was kind of irritated with the fact that uh, I was having I was having a conversation with someone, and we was talking about the Lord. And um, what it boils down to is that we put so much emphasis on what we do wrong. Actually, I'll do it one better. I'll, I'm a quote. I'm a quote my spiritual father. What he what he, something he said, and. Um, mm-hmm. It will it make it it'll make it easier. And this is what I posted on Facebook yesterday. I enjoy the conversations but that I have with people. Sometimes though my heart is grieved because when you love people so much that you want to share something about the Lord and what he truly did for us, but knowing that you can't because we as Christians have been programmed through theological doctrine to believe something about the Lord that is not true. I am going to quote something in all caps to get a point across, and I want you you all on my page who are believers and professing to to be believers to think about. It is a quote from my spiritual father in the faith. And it's this, we as believers put more faith in our abilities to fail than faith we put in Jesus' ability to overcome our failures. Yeah, that is a that is a powerful quote. And um, I had written an article earlier in the week actually addressing that because um, that's been really heavy on my heart as well. Um, when believers, when Christians don't believe, um, and when we don't believe, there are consequences that come with not living out the word and out the truth of the scripture. Right, right. And you, you hit the nail on the head, and I thank you for that because, see, I get in debates with people all the time about, uh, you know, about the whole issue of sin. And and especially when someone makes the comment, not sure you heard it, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When they <laughs> say that, I look at them and I say, well, then you're not saved because in the Word of God it also says that light, the Holy Spirit, and darkness, the sin nature within us cannot exist in the same place. And so when when then their their comeback to me is then, well, you're saying you're saying you're perfect. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm what I'm saying is that we've been set free from the law of sin and death 
according to Paul. That's what his word says. So why don't you believe what said? See, we, we're so focused on the power of sin that we never talk about how the blood of Jesus Christ overcame sin. And this is my whole point, and they don't like this when I make this comment. When you say that you're just a sinner saved by grace, you're blaming God for the fact that you still sin instead of taking responsibility for the fact that you don't have to sin. You do it because you want to. This is true. Um, Two things that you said there. One, and I hear people say this a lot, I'm not perfect, I'm only human. Um, The word word perfect. The word the word perfect according to scripture is talking about maturity of the believer. Exactly. It is not talking about the fact that we are without fault because none of us is without fault, else we wouldn't need a savior. Exactly. Okay. So we are being perfected. We are walking in maturity as body of Christ. We are growing up the scripture says in Ephesians 4, into the stature of the fullness of the measure of Christ unto a perfect man. So we're all supposed to be growing up into this perfect man. But how will we ever ever get there if everybody's claiming, I don't want to be this perfect man? Exactly. Exactly. There has has to be a renewing of mind to understand that God, calling for maturity in the body of Christ. Amen. That's, That's right. The second the piece other, is, is grace. Sorry. Hello? Right. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. The second piece is that grace is not just um, what we call saving grace, but it's also an empowering grace. In other words, That's it right. is the grace of God that empowers us to live out the word of God. Without the grace of God, we would not be able to live free from sin. Exactly. So we so we say things like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We are negating the empowering piece of grace that allows us to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. That is it, my whole point. That's my whole point, because the thing, and it grieved me, I actually had to walk, I walked to Wendy's to get me a little burger, because I I was physically grieved in my heart to the point that I called a dear friend of mine, and I was angry. I actually had to vent, because when I hear that, it actually questions my salvation, because God brought me through and I don't even have I don't even have time to even go into it at this point. But he's brought me through some tremendous horrible things. And my at, at points in my life I never knew what it was like to be told that I was loved by a Christian male. Even around before I was put in the foster home, my own biological family. I love you was not a word that you heard a lot. It, you just and I guess you know in my family, as it as it is with a lot of black families, you just don't do that, and you just show it through actions. And so I never heard that. 
So growing up, saying I love you even to my own real mom and even to my foster parents, that was, it was condemning to me. I felt condemned when I said that because I didn't know what it was like. But it was through the grace of God, his love, because I got saved at a young age. I didn't have mentors growing up. Just I'll share a quick story with everyone. When I was in second and third grade, this was after I was adopted, I was walking down the gravel road because we used to live in the country on a seven-acre farm. And I looked up at the sky, and I, and I prayed this prayer. Even though I was young, I was seven or eight, and I didn't know that God was actually listening to me, but I looked up at the sky and I said like this. I said, God, I have no mentor. Holy Spirit, will you be my teacher? I prayed that prayer in second or third grade. I forget what grade I was exactly in. And he answered it. Amen. Even when I was so terrified of him, of God, and of people, he never left me. He revealed his word to me through love. I mean, he showed me things in the Old Testament. Like, you know, I'm Pastor Charles, how everybody wants to use the use his wrath in the Old Testament on how to boot down with the word, oh, yeah, God was a wrathful God. Do you know, I'll just give you, I'll just share with everyone a, a little piece of revelation that he actually spoke to my heart. And very few believers have ever got this, and I don't know why. But you know when God um, told Pharaoh to let his people go and Pharaoh refused, and so he sent the plagues? Mm-hmm. You, you, did, did you know that had Pharaoh obeyed after the first plague, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have suffered the other night? I, I believe that. God threw that. God used that example to show me his grace and mercy. He showed me his grace and mercy in every vengeful act in the Old Testament. This, that's why I tell people, in everything you do as a believer, you have to weigh everything through the prism of God's love. Because if you're, if you're first of all, let me tell you, I'm going to say something really controversial, Pastor and you might kick me, but that's okay. Jesus himself never condemned an unbeliever to hell. Can you tell me at what point, where in the word of God did it ever tell us that we were ever supposed to tell someone that they were going to hell? John John 3.17, which is actually um, when they translated, um, King James had that translated, he actually Um, split that verse in two. I guess maybe they thought it was too long, but the actual verse should be, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Very true, because... 
if you do not believe, Jesus said those who, not, who do not believe are already condemned. Exactly. So, yeah, we, we and matter of fact, the people that, that were uh, being brought to the curb, so to speak, by Jesus was the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, and Jesus exactly. said, hey, so you make, you tell these people, you put all of these restrictions on them, and you make them more of a son of hell than, exactly. uh, than, than they were initially because of all of these rules and regulations and regiments and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you have attached to the grace of God that were not there. So, exactly. um, you know, exactly. it, we, we have the free will. Exactly. God, gave us the, God has given the access to eternal life, but we have to choose it. Amen. Let me ask you this. Do you have a follow, like uh, what we just talked about there, this part of it, do you have a lesson that you've ever spoken on or a teaching? Um, or? I'm sure you have on, many. On be, just yeah, like, uh, be, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just saying, be specific on, on which part of, of, of what we're talking about. Are you saying, well, do I have a teaching? About how the the con, the condemnation of the unbeliever by other believers. Do you have a teaching on that? Because the reason why I ask if you do, I would like, if you, if you have the time, I'd like to have you come back um, Wednesday and do a do a follow up teaching. If you don't have that teaching, I'd like to have you come back in. If you have more teaching on the previous lesson that you taught on tonight, I'd like to have you come back Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't have a teaching on what we just covered. Um, Wednesday. What time would that be? In same time, same time, six Eastern. Okay. Um, I know I have a service at seven, so I'm just oh, trying to okay. gauge time. So I don't. I would probably be able to come back on a Sunday this time, okay. but not on a Wednesday. Okay. Well, that's. That's fine then. Well, or I could always schedule for Tuesday since I have Mondays and Tuesdays open. Okay, let's look into that. I know, I know this Tuesday I am doing a um, a teaching on courtship and relationships with a another a, win, a women's fellowship. Um, but That's we can cool. look at the Tuesday following this one. Okay, that would be that would be awesome. Also, I do have, I'm uploading um, this teaching. It's going to be in my SALT Sessions study group. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you are familiar with that study group that I have online on Thursdays. No, I've never heard of it. Okay. Well, I will add you to it, and then you will be able to um, download tonight's lesson. Obviously, I was speaking somewhat prophetically, so everything I said is not in on the general notes, but you'll be able to download them.
Amen. Hello? Okay, sorry about that. My no problem. my call dropped on me. Uh, <laughs> it it always happens when you have when you have a good time. But you were saying I said I just added you to the group okay. and you'll be able to um to download it's under it's under files. Okay. And it says principles to help you live free. All right. Um, one more thing before you go, I would really, um, I don't know if you looked into it yet, but if you and uh, Pastor Robert can make it to the um, leadership conference in March, it's actually March 20th through the 22nd, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That would be awesome. And it's going to be, actually, it's going to be in Virginia Beach. How far are you guys from Virginia Beach? And March 20th through the Yes, yes, 20th through the 22nd, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Virginia Beach. Yep, at Regent University. All right, we will have to look into that, see what's on the calendar. I know things are kind of are filling up. We'll definitely look into it. All righty. I want to say thank you so much for your lesson tonight. Um, it's something that I, it's just good for me to know that I'm not the only one that hears that message. So God bless you. Um, you have a good night. Um, tell your husband I said hello. Actually, he's listening in. So Pastor Robert, hello. I know I still need to get my pictures from you from DC, so I will do that. Um, but Pastor Shante, God bless you, and thank you for the phenomenal show. Amen. God bless you. Amen. All right. Have a good night. And you, you too. Thank you. You're welcome. You have been listening to Reality in Christ, Worship and Word here on True Radio Network. That was Pastor Shantae A. Charles, who delivered a phenomenal message on keys to living free. So if you didn't get to listen, download it in archives and listen from the beginning, because I know I'm actually getting ready to go back and listen to it again. So I want to say good night, God bless you all, and thank you for tuning in.